Canto 13 begins ominously and abruptly. Before Nessus, the centaur has crossed back across the ford to where he belongs in hell. Virgil and Dante find themselves in a wood without a path. It has dark black leaves and thorns for flowers and is gnarled and twisted. There's immediately a profound sense of negativity that reminds us, of course, of where Dante started midway through his life in a wood where he'd lost the path. Only now, this time, it seems even more perverse and twisted. And the sense of gloom and fear um, and barely being able to cope creeps up on Dante very quickly in this canto. We know almost from the start that he's not going to be able to cope very well with this canto. He's got very difficult things to see and to learn, which leads one to presume that he's indicating that he has suffered from something akin to what the souls in this circle are suffering. To cut to the chase, this is the circle of the suicides. And it's going to be a tricky one for us too, because suicide feels like something we should be compassionate and understanding about, not condemned to hell. So this is the kind of question over this canto. What kind of entrapment of the soul, what kind of acts in life that prevents access to divine life are we really encountering here? You'll know that I like this idea that Dante is taking us beyond the obvious in all sorts of respects, not least the business of hell itself. And I think, too, he's doing that now with the notion of suicide. Um, suicide was treated in a rather blanket and clumsy way by the medieval church, in fact, by the modern church, right up to relatively recent times when it refused to bury people who committed suicide in Holy Land. And I think that it's partly redressing this clunky, sort of manualized, unthinking, mindless attitude to sin that Dante is turning now. But confronting still the notion of suicide, which at least on occasion really can be a very violent act, as I think we'll see, and so therefore lead some of the people who do commit suicide to the risk that they will be trapped by it. As it were, it speaks about something to do with the condition of their soul that feels narrow and confined and constrained. And that's to be taken really seriously because it does indeed lead people away from life, both this life and also the sense that there's a divine life that might be enjoyed as well. So this is a profound canto um, and a difficult one, but one staying with to try and see more clearly what's going on. So it begins um, with a kind of aggressive negativity in the air right from the start. Um, it's often noted by the commentators that the canto tersets the sort of first sets of the three lines. They all begin with a no or a not, a negativity. Um, and um, there's quite a staccato feel to the poetry as well, as it describes um, this sort of 
twisted and contorted place. Um, and we, the first creatures which we see um, are um, the harpies. Um, these are mythological creatures, again a kind of mix of the bestial and the human. Um, we're told that they have um, female heads and necks that go into round distended bodies that are covered with feathers. Um, they have large wings and then their feet are claws with which they grip into the branches that they sit upon. Um, they're kind of tearing, gnarled, half-human, half-bestial um, half, um, creatures, um, pretty terrifying in themselves. Um, they come out of Virgil's poetry in part he uses um, for harpy, um, and indeed they too tear into branches, um, as we're going to see here. Dante also notices that he hears wailing and sighs and groaning, but strangely doesn't see any souls. Um, in fact, um, this is the only um, round of hell that's going to be full of vegetation um, since we left Limbo, um, although it's this strange, eerie, um, fearsome kind of vegetation that's hardly vegetation at all. Um, so why is it that this round is filled with this perverse vegetation but no human souls? It's the beginning of a sort of clue as to what's going on here. Um, Virgil says, look, you're going to have to break off a branch from one of these thorn bushes um, in order to understand what's going on. Sort of trust me, Virgil says. Again, this sort of sense that Virgil in this canto is really having to lead Dante through something. Dante couldn't find his way through this canto at all himself. It's too close to him, um, too overwhelming for his own heart. But he follows Virgil's lead um, and does indeed snap. Um, a twig or a small branch off one of the thorn bushes and immediately it starts to wail and speak. Um, it's said that blood oozes from the edge of the branch, a bit like a, um, a log that's thrown into the fire that's too green will hiss and spit um, as if complaining. Um, and Dante realises that um, the reason why there's no visible souls in this circle of hell is that the souls are trapped in the trees. They're using the trees as substitute bodies, in fact. And um, when the branches are snapped, uh, their bodies can speak. So this is the contrapasso um, of this circle of hell. Um, and the idea is, um, the grim idea is, that these are people who in life discarded their bodies in the act of suicide. And so now in hell, they need um, substitute bodies. Um, you know, it, it sounds like a bit of a tale of the unexpected, those old Roald Dahl stories um, uh, where um, the trees and the, and the plants cry out when they're broken. And of course, that in a way is what happens in suicide too. It's the very violence, the breaking of the body that is the greatest cry. Um, you know, it's not an uncommon experience um, to not really appreciate that someone's feeling suicidal and it's only when the body is broken in the act itself that you suddenly feel the full um, horror and ferocity and, and desperation of the cry. Um, that's um, being sort of carried by this uh, contrapasso um, in this circle of hell. Um, Dante's imagination, you know, very brilliantly capturing that. Um, taking um, leads from Virgil, um, as the commentators on the poem um, do suggest.
Now, um, the tree thornbush cries out, um, have you no pity? And Dante is immediately um, overwhelmed um, by um, the act that he's done. And Virgil too is compassionate. Virgil speaks on Dante's behalf to the, tr to the shrub and says, look, I've done this for a purpose so that Dante can understand in parenthesis that so that you might say someone who has felt like you suicidal might understand something about suicidal. So it's a kind of act of compassion. And Virgil also says to the shrub, um, this is someone who's living, who's going to return to the earth and maybe he'll remember you on earth. And that does bring some comfort to the shrub. Um, you know, this is theme of people in hell wanting to be remembered sometimes it feels quite a selfish remembrance um, as if um, you know they're wanting to be justified in heaven above um, sometimes they meet souls who don't want to be remembered at all and try and conceal themselves in shame so i think there's something going on a bit in between here um, that this suicide wants to be remembered um, and is glad of the compassion um, and glad of the pity um, but he's got a dark soul, as we're now about to find out, and to find out something about the nature of his suicide. Before we get to his particular story, I wanted to say something about suicidality as it's understood now, um, very much in the same spirit as we adopted in Canto 11. Um, you remember that Dante there was using Aristotle, the new learning, to try and develop his sense of what might be going on in hell. And here in Canto 13, um, let's similarly use a bit of newer learning about suicidality now, again drawing on from psychotherapy. And what psychotherapy understands about suicidality um, goes something like this, that there's, there's various types, there's not just one type of suicidality, it can be many things in fact, and trying to understand quite what is as it were, sitting in front of you when someone feels suicidal is really important. Um, perhaps the most common type um, is the cry for help. Um, that's you know kind of fairly well understood. Um, it's a very risky activity, but the person who makes um, something of a gesture of a suicide um, and it's the cry for help they couldn't speak out themselves. Um, that's one quite well known sort. Um, another sort would be the sort in a way that's captured by Dido. Do you remember we have actually already met suicides? Um, we met uh, Dido in the Circle of the Lustful and she felt her life was no longer worth living. She loved um, Aeneas too much um, and so um, felt her life was no longer worth living. Um, she made too much of love for another man. She was in love with love, you might say, and that was the thing that trapped her soul, but not the suicide itself. And I think that therefore this is signaling that Dante even, you know, 700 years ago recognises that um, the act of suicide is not always the, you might call the sin of suicide, the trouble with suicides, to put it in a slightly better way. Um, he's already kind of critiqued the church's blanket stance um, and wanting to push for more understanding. Um, another suicide who's not in this circle, but who we will meet um, is Judas, who hangs himself from the tree. Um, so immediately this is kind of breaking down the blanket approach and it makes way for a, a sort of third group of suicidality that um, we understand now. And these are the people who kill themselves for a variety of reasons that is violent. 
Um, and it's really important to recognise this, um, that there can be a deep and bitter violence um, in some acts of suicide. So, for example, um, uh, talking with people who have attempted this type of suicide and it hasn't worked for one reason or another, they may sometimes tell you stories about how they wanted to kill themselves to exact revenge on a hated figure in this life. Um, maybe understandably, maybe because of abuse and so on, but nonetheless they turned on their own body to exact revenge against someone else. Um, there are people who kill themselves with the horrible fantasy that if they kill themselves they'll kill the person they hate. Um, as it were, they can't murder someone so they murder themselves and in this horrible confused state um, that's what people can feel. Another um, way that that happens is that people can um, kill themselves so that they um, feel that another will suffer then indefinitely out of guilt perhaps or horror um, at the suicidal death. Um, it's a kind of um, I'm going to harm myself to harm you, um, that kind of violence. Um, and then there's also the sort of um, killing which is about wanting to kill off a part of yourself that you loathe or hate. Again, discussions um, with people after such an act that hasn't worked um, and they'll say how they got into a fantasy that they could as it were a bit like a sort of self-mutilation but attacking their whole being kill the bit of themselves that they didn't like um, in order that they could live free from it pure from it um, so there's a whole range of different kinds of suicidality um, which Dante with his sophistication about ills in life um, is drawing us towards now, you'll remember that in the canto they've snapped a bit off one particular thornbush who's now started to speak. Um, and Virgil asks um, this um, person who he was, who he is. And he tells us that he's Pierre um, de la Vigna. And he was a minister, a courtier, in, for Frederick II, the great emperor, in the middle bit of the 13th century. And his story was that he rose to great prominence in the court. He boasts quite a lot during this canto, that he held the two keys um, to Frederick's power. One is the key for mercy, one is the key for judgment. Um, and this is um, a, a pretty um, unpleasant parody of St Peter, who holds the two keys to heaven. Um, so we're really getting the sense that this is quite a sort of boastful chap um, who rather reveled in the power that he gained um, as a minister. And in fact, he says almost as if it was a virtue um, that he controlled the doors um, to Peter. He had access to Peter and would let some people in, but many people not. Um, but as the reader, we get the sense that he rather enjoyed his omnipotence. Um, and um, he therefore um, sparked and prompted envy in others. Um, and this was the beginning of his downfall um, because those who envied him uh, wanted to usurp him. And they sowed seeds of treachery in Frederick's ear. And sure enough, um, he was put into prison um, and it was there that he killed himself. Um, but he tells why he killed himself. He kind of gives himself away now. Um, he says that um, he was moved by scorned satisfaction. He was sorry. He was moved by moved by scornful satisfaction. Um, he is the sort that wanted revenge against Frederick. Um, you, you can imagine he, you know, he was rather in love perhaps with the emperor and that when the emperor listened to others um, and put him in prison, um, he became violently um, 
hateful of that and he wanted to exact revenge and so you were led to believe that that's why he killed himself and it leads him to hell because you might say that um, as the kind of culminating act of his, la of his life um, his soul now is trapped in a kind of perpetual cycle of self-killing to exact revenge um, it's horribly futile and only harms himself um, but that is, as it were, his state of mind that I think Dante is drawing our attention to here in this circle of hell. And so differentiating between different kinds of suicidality and um, the sort that is deadly in this way compared to the other sorts like Dido and like Judas, who we'll come to. Dante is completely shocked at this story and can't speak. The inference would be that um, it's led him to reflect on his own feelings of suicidality and um, quite what sort they were and how did he imagine that he might commit such a violence against himself and was his soul in peril? Was it a kind of revenge? Um, maybe against his city, we don't know. Um, maybe it was more of the desperate kind, um, uh, but um, he, he can't speak for now. Um, Virgil invites him to ask the tree to understand more. It's Virgil, remember, can often know what's going on in Dante's mind. And maybe he wants Dante to seize the moment to question a different kind of suicidal person, to understand something about his own inner life, his own feelings. Um, but Dante can't, and he says to Virgil, please, you ask more. Um, so Virgil does. And um, uh, Della Vigna tells his story about how when he... Um, discarded his earthly body, came to hell, uh, met Minos, remember, at the top of hell, um, and was thrown down to this circle, um, as it were, like a discarded soul as he discarded his body, um, where um, he, he, he sprouted into a sapling and became the tree, um, and um, now sort of lives his fate. Um, and we, um, so we, we hear about the sort of full story of the afterlife um, from the tree um, at Virgil's prompting. Um, now, the next thing that happens um, is a bit surprising uh, as we're kind of, you know, kind of drawn into this story. Um, uh, Della Vigna is, I should say, Della Vigna is one of the sort of what's what sometimes called the great sinners um, in the Inferno. Um, we hear a lot about him um, and he speaks very eloquently. He's like Farinata, he's like Francesca, speaks at great length about their story. And so we're invited to really consider it carefully. Um, and so pick up these undertones, first of all, of arrogance, enjoying his power over others that led to his fall. And then this kind of scornful turning on himself when he's discarded in prison to try and get back um, at um, the person who he feels has betrayed him, Frederick II. Um, it's it's one of those kind of uh, moments where um, Dante too um, feels very confused and uh, almost overwhelmed by the story, um, reflecting on himself in his own inner life, learning from the descent, gaining some wisdom by considering the stories of others um, in, in a lot of detail, a lot of nuance um, that helps um, the subtleties of these um, evils, um, these terrible mistakes um, to become clearer and clearer because of course it's in the seeing that you can escape them and um, forge a different life and not just be led blindly 
um, by the forces that are rather otherwise rather unconscious, um, we would say today. So we meet one of the great sinners in this canto, and it is worth reading and considering his speech to get that nuance. The next thing that happens, though, rather cuts across and this sort of mood of reflection and um, sense of feeling overwhelmed um, by Dante, because suddenly a hunt comes in um, from the side, clambering through this horrible thicket with its black leaves and thorns, and we're told there are black bitches that are chasing two naked souls. Um, I guess the dogs represent something of the bestial violence of, of this round. Um, and um, then one of the souls um, falls into a shrub, falls into a, a bush, breaking many leaves, causing wailing and horror. Um, and the, the hounds descend upon um, this poor individual and rip him to shreds. And it said, his limbs are carried off in all directions. Um, you know, when you really think about these scenes, um, they are pretty grim. Um, Virgil then speaks to the other soul, um, who's known called Lano, um, and he's a different type of person who killed himself. He killed himself not by his own hand, we learn, um, but by throwing himself into the middle of a battle, um, knowing that he would be killed. And we learn the reason why he did that was because he'd lost his fortune and he thought that he didn't have anything to live for. And so in a kind of violent despair against himself, threw himself into a battle, a bit like, I guess, being chased by the dogs. So, you know, his trouble is that he thought his fortune was his life and that when his fortune went, um, he had no life left. And now in eternity, he's still not really able to see that there might be other life, there might be divine life. And so he's locked, um, being chased um, by a kind of violent hunt, um, as if caught in his battle um, that he threw himself into. Um, and um, again, a sort of terrible fate, um, but a different kind of violent act against himself, a different kind of suicidal behaviour. And all that horror um, all the sort of negativity, the staccato, the violence, um, the difficult understanding um, and taking suicide with compassion and pity. Remember that both Virgil and Dante had shown compassion and pity, but they also hadn't sort of backed off from really trying to see what's at stake um, in these acts. Um, in a way, that's the learning of this canto, um, because if in seeing um, you understand more, then maybe there's more room for compassion and pity to come in. And I think that this is just intimated right at the end of the canto, when we learn that the shrub um, who'd been fallen into by um, the, the chap being chased by the hunt, um, asks that his leaves might be gathered up, the leaves and twigs that have fallen off might be gathered up um, underneath him. Um, he doesn't ask it you know, particularly pleasantly, but nonetheless, um, there's a, a concern here for his body once again, for um, the tree, the shrub that he now is, a concern for that. Um, and I just wonder whether through all the negativity, all the bitterness, all the violence and, you know, the very difficult human suffering that's mixed in with revengeance and wanting to kill yourself to get at others, wanting to cut off bits of yourself, um, all that um, horrible psychology that... There's a, just a, a hint of concern here right at the end 
um, a care for the body once more, returning to this particular individual anyway. And maybe hints that Dante struggled through this canto, Virgil leading him through it, has brought a moment of divine love into the place, divine care, who knows, might completely change the desperate fate of these individuals with their acts that have hooked them into these cycles of vengeance and killing and lead them to see divine life once again and find rescue.